0: Right about now, I think a whole lot of parents are looking around and asking themselves, what is school going to look like this year? Here in New York, this is the time of year when I get letters telling me who my kids' teachers are going to be and how to track down school supplies. In other parts of the country, kids are already back in classrooms. And after more than a year of disrupted and hybrid learning, I think everyone has had this hope. This year will be different. Normal. Whatever that is.
1: I am not leaving until you do a re for the people, by the people, and of the people. Now!
0: You just have to press play on a couple of videos from school board meetings all around the country to realize how elusive normal is going to be.
1: You and the school board have decided that our kids should go to school all day, every day, wearing muzzles like rabid dogs. I have listened to
0: a lot of the meetings I've started watching recently are about masks, who should be wearing them, who shouldn't. At a school board meeting in Buncombe County, North Carolina, Republican Congressman Madison Cawthorn showed up to compare mask wearing to child abuse. The greatest threat to our children today does not come from COVID 19. It comes from woke liberal government officials like you who think they are all knowing and all wise. At a different meeting in Tennessee, there was an overflow crowd. Parents followed school board members to their cars where they threatened them. No more-
1: There is this enormous disconnect between, I think, the school year that we wanted to have and the school year that a lot of parents expected that they would have and the reality of of this Delta wave.
0: Nick Juden has been watching this conversation play out from Mississippi. The schools there are having meetings like this now, too, county by county.
1: And these school board meetings, I think, are, are kind of like the fault line where people feel like they can maybe fight back against... Normalcy slipping away from them?
0: And in Mississippi, school starts early. Some start up in July, which means there's been this collision between the dream of what many people wanted school to look like and the reality of rising caseloads due to the Delta variant. The state has already quarantined thousands of students. One high school was packing kids into a gym for freshman orientation just a few weeks back. It's now gone fully remote
1: all of these school districts had plans for really a return to normalcy and then that just completely fell apart a lot of these school districts are finding that you start school back and just day one you've got a dozen kids showing up to school infected that has nothing to do with the school's efficacy at preventing spread In their districts, it's just there. There's
0: just more baseline infection.
1: Significantly more. And it's spreading faster.
0: Today on the show, the fight over opening schools in one state, Mississippi, where the coronavirus is as bad as it's ever been, but common ground is still hard to find. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick around. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you look at a graph of new COVID cases in Mississippi, it almost looks like a bolt of lightning. It's shooting straight up. New cases are rising rapidly. Hospitals are stretched.
1: We are in the worst stage of this pandemic so far. We are beyond winter. We are beyond certainly summer, the beginning of school last year we're in uncharted territory. We are seeing an unbelievably transmissible variant of this virus, and we're seeing a public that has become so fatigued with the precautions and the isolation. And to whatever degree that they did take it seriously, I think we're seeing a lot of people who have decided that it's over now. And The result of that is a rapid escalation like nothing we've ever seen.
0: And that fatigue is especially evident in schools, which are open for business without a statewide mask mandate in effect. Mississippi's Republican governor, Tate Reeves, he says it should be up to the individual school districts to make their own plans around masks. But he didn't always feel this way. I want to tell the story of COVID in schools in Mississippi from the beginning, if we can. Like, I wonder if we started a year ago, August of 2020. Because at that point, your governor, Republican Tate Reeves, he he gave this speech about opening schools.
1: Good afternoon. And thank you for... And he said he wanted
0: to prioritize that. He wanted kids back in the classroom. But he also said... It's really important that if the kids are back in the classroom, everyone's wearing
1: masks. We have seen over the last several weeks that when people participate and wear masks, it helps. We are seeing improvements in our numbers, albeit much slower than any of us would like for it to be throughout our state. And I am convinced it is because we are seeing more participation by individuals in wearing masks. I believe when we talk about masks in our schools, that is a universal floor that I feel strongly about setting. Do you
0: remember this speech and what it kind of did for the state?
1: Well, you know, I think when you go back a year, the debate was really over, can we have school safely at all? You know, and there was the question of, well, do we go back and everyone's separated, and a lot of these places do hybrid schedules, and everyone, everyone is wearing a mask. The idea was we can go back to school, but we have to have all of these protective measures. I mean, masks were a guarantee. Um, And the reason that that debate was important was because many people made the argument that in-person classes were extremely important for childhood development, and that you really couldn't replace in-person schooling with virtual learning and still get the same outcomes. And to be honest, the, the research that I have seen really backs that up. I mean, uh, people did the absolute best that they could with virtual learning and places that were able to get laptops to all of their students, um, I think did particularly well at, at maintaining uh, the curriculum through like a virtual semester. But I, I, I take very seriously the argument that one of the number one things we have to protect is an in-person school year, because there is really no replacement for it.
0: At the time this decision was made in Mississippi, was it controversial to say we want kids back in the classroom, but everyone will, will wear masks?
1: There was absolutely debate over it. You know, every month we understand more about the the virus. And at, at the time, we worried that maybe there wouldn't be the uniform mask use that was necessary to prevent major outbreaks. And, you know, last year was a mixed bag. I mean, there there definitely were outbreaks that were school closures. But again, and this is just based on what the State Department of Health has said, in-person learning environments with very structured, strict rules on mask use and, and all of these other precautions that we took were pretty effective at keeping kids in school without exposing them and, and, and spreading these large clusters of coronavirus.
0: It sounds kind of like a success story for Mississippi.
1: In a lot of ways, it was. Now, the problem that we had last year was you send all these kids to school. They're all wearing masks. Everyone's being very careful. And then they leave school and they all pile in a car together and they go back to someone's house and they have a, you know, a sleepover or they have a party. Time and time again, uh, our, our public health leaders told us that it was small gatherings around the school environment that were really, really driving a lot of the transmission, especially in uh, the younger population.
0: So, not the school itself, but school adjacent stuff. Exactly. So given all that knowledge, as planning began for this new school year, how did that begin to be factored in? Like, okay, here's what we learned from last year. Here's how we want to carry forward that knowledge this year.
1: Observing it as I have and certainly seeing the panic that a lot of people have had and a lot of teachers have had, even in school districts that did relatively well last year, I feel like there was a kind of momentum now that momentum carried through from the late spring and the early summer where we saw transmission dropping where it, it we saw the effects of the vaccine really a
0: back to normal momentum
1: it, it really did feel like back to normal you know you get your shot you wait a couple weeks you're back going to restaurants you're occasionally seeing friends that you didn't see for a year before that was a potent feeling and i think the evidence of that kind of trickling into our plans for the school year is really evident now because it it doesn't feel like we have taken a lot of the precautions that we did even last year. Um, I mean, I've had teachers and I've had parents send me pictures and videos, entire grades packed into indoor spaces together, you know, community events where you're like, let's gather before school starts in an indoor environment, everyone together, no masks. You combine that kind of momentum and that kind of desire to go back to normal with a variant of this virus. And, you know, it's just it's been a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah, I found this news tape from back in July, local news station in Mississippi. School administrators are hoping this fall will look more like students are used to, with a sweeping return to in-person learning and relaxed pandemic precautions. Now, at the same time, there is mixed messaging among state leaders about how to protect students, teachers and staff. And it just seemed like no one knew, like there wasn't. A plan. And these best efforts from school districts come as many still wait for guidance from the state's health department. It was like two trains headed towards each other. Like the Delta variant was ramping up. And then at the same time, there was that push you're talking about, the kind of back to normal push. And those two things are happening at the same time. And so then it became unclear, like, what does that mean for the kids in school? And no one really knew.
1: You know, <laughs> Our state health officer talking about coronavirus more generally said that uh, right now he feels like he's an air traffic controller, and every day he just watches two airliners collide. Hmm. Um, And that kind of is uh, a a good analogy for, for what we saw.
0: Your governor was so key to mandating masks in schools last year. It's striking to me that he's completely turned around this time and said, this is about parent choice. When did you notice that change?
1: You know, I mean, this is something that we've been aware of as as a talking point way beyond the borders of Mississippi. As the Delta wave started to rise, we started having these conversations about what safe schooling looks like and, and what restrictions we going to have. And frankly, there's been a lot less conversation with the governor entirely. He has stopped doing his regular uh, coronavirus press briefings, and that wasn't unexpected. As the, as the virus slowed down, there was less attention paid to the virus, and so we heard from him less. But as Delta's picked up again, we really have not returned to that level of communication that we had. Uh, earlier in the pandemic. You know, I think it really tipped people off when he was asked at the Neshoba County Fair if he thought that children should be mandated to wear masks in schools. And he said it was foolish. It's foolish and it is harmful. It wreaks a political panic so as to appear they are in control. It has nothing, let me say that again, it has nothing to do with rational science. That in Mississippi, we believe in freedom. You were
0: at a presser recently with medical officials and were reporting on what they were saying about what they were seeing. What did they have to say about the state of COVID in Mississippi right now?
1: The hospital system is absolutely at its limit. I mean, you, I can't stress that enough. Right now, we are totally full. Every morning... You have hundreds of patients waiting uh, uh, to get a permanent room. You have a couple openings, and really, it's only getting worse. Dr. Alan Jones, who is the director of the emergency department at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, uh, which is the state's largest hospital, it is the, the linchpin of the state's entire hospital system, has said that we're looking at five to seven to 10 days of the transmission that we're seeing now before hospital system failure. UMMC has had to open a field hospital in a garage. I went there, I saw it. It is a concrete garage. They are setting up tents and they are getting uh, federal agencies to help staff it because let's be clear, the bed shortage is a staff shortage. We do not have the nurses, we don't have the doctors, we don't have the medical professionals needed to take care of everyone.
0: When we come back, how one Mississippi mom is using social media to show the realities of kids with COVID.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot,
0: You visited with the mother of a baby that contracted COVID and sort of talked to her about how her friends and neighbors had responded to what happened to her. And I wonder if that told you anything about how different people are understanding what's real and what's not.
1: You know, I spoke to a mother, Stephanie Ulrich, a Mississippi woman, three kids. Um, Her son, Wyatt, got coronavirus Uh, back at the beginning of this year, Um, and, you know, it it really exacerbated a pre-existing condition that he has, and he came very close to dying.
0: She took a video of trying to wake him up. Earlier this morning, we could not get Wyatt to wake up. That just, if you're a parent, it's, if you're anyone... It's just hard to watch because you can see he, he's having trouble responding. She's she's shaking him. She's like physically moving him and he's still refusing to wake up. But y'all, this is COVID. This is real. He is so lethargic. He's barely waking up. So just do the right thing.
1: I think what really struck me, not just about her story, which is powerful and moving, and, and I think in many ways— accomplishes more than even like my journalism could do was the reaction that she gets on social media. Um, There's a lot of love. There's a lot of support. It's obvious that she's educating a lot of people, but there is so much vitriol and there is so much conspiracy.
0: How is Stephanie thinking about her kids in school?
1: Well, she's not. She's homeschooling her kids. I mean, it's just with, with... with the conditions involved, it's it's not a risk she's willing to take.
0: So she doesn't trust the school system.
1: I think what a person like like Stephanie needs for for kids who have conditions like this is really a form of virtual learning. I mean, you talk about, well, you really prefer to have kids in, in class. And yes, absolutely. But when the risk of contracting the disease and having a serious reaction is why it already did is so high, um then absolutely virtual learning would have been uh, an optimal way for them to stay in the school district but not really be exposed to the virus. And, you know, what she found is that that wasn't an option. And what she found speaking to other people is is with, with children who have pre-existing conditions is that wasn't really an option for them. So I think it forced her hand.
0: For a lot of parents, even if they've got healthy kids— It's hard to trust a system that keeps changing the rules, especially because individual superintendents are having to step in and guard public health.
1: In the absence of statewide decision-making, all of these districts have to make the call themselves. And, you know, many of them are not perfectly equipped to plan a pandemic response. I mean, that was what we were always worried about. The the public school system in in Mississippi is already underfunded. I guarantee you there was really not a lot of slack sitting around for managing a a public health campaign. So they have MSDH guidance.
0: Department of Health guidance.
1: You know, those are recommendations. And Mississippi has been pretty clear through the entire pandemic that you have our public health leaders, MSDH, they make recommendations and- Often, you would see the governor then turn those recommendations into executive orders, and, and that's kind of how that pipeline works. Um, th- this year, really, we haven't seen that. So we've seen the recommendations come out, and you know, then we've heard the governor say that mask mandates are foolish and harmful in schools.
0: I mean, some, I guess, would say that this is how it should work with local control and individual school districts making choices that are right for them. What would you say to that?
1: I I just I don't understand how people think that a localized strategy works for a virus that does not respect borders. This virus does not respect international borders. Why would it care about the, the Neshoba County line? There's no way to make a decision in this pandemic based on your own circumstances, number one, because the circumstances of everywhere around you are going to be affecting you tomorrow. And there's no way to make a decision in this pandemic for yourself because your decisions are going to affect everyone around you. So uh, this idea of localized control is... I I don't know how to, I'm, I'm trying not to get mad right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hear you.
1: It's this obsession with the individual over any sort of collective good that has left us totally unable to respond to this pandemic.
0: I keep thinking about the classrooms in Mississippi that are open now and what it must be like in there. Who are you hearing from? Who are, who's dealing with this kind of back-to-school decision-making, teachers, parents, students.
1: You know, I spoke to a teacher who had a rough time last year. The district really didn't take it as seriously as they should have. You know, and I spoke to her this summer, and I asked, are you vaccinated? She told me no, that she had some concerns about the vaccine. She was kind of waiting to see what was happening. I spoke to her again not that long before school started, really worried. I mean, just seeing a number of things that had me worried. And I said, hey, just wanted to reach out. Like, what are you seeing? What are you doing? Are you worried? And she said, well, I got vaccinated (laughs) because she didn't trust the school district to take care of her. Um, And she wasn't going to be able to take time off. They They had basically taken away the quarantine time off so she would have had to use her personal sick days if she got covid so she got vaccinated so silver linings i guess yeah
0: it's hard to know what to make of that it's like but people have said like when as as the infection rates go up a lot of times vaccination rates go up as well
1: we are seeing more vaccinations we are seeing significantly more vaccinations i mean you can just look right on the charts and you can see as delta really starts to get serious um, more people are getting vaccinated is it at uh, the velocity we need to get out of this I, I don't know but there are more vaccinations and that is one of the silver linings right now is people are taking it more seriously
0: Nick Juden thank you so much for joining me thanks for having me Nick Judin is a state reporter for the Mississippi Free Press. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Davis Land, Mary Wilson, Carmel Del Shad, and Elena Schwartz. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. You can always find me. I'm on Twitter. Go say hi. I'm at Mary's desk. I'm taking a couple days off, so tomorrow Mary Wilson's going to be here. I cannot wait to hear her show. I'll catch you back here later in the week.